it's good to see everybody. It's good to be back. You know, I was gone for a couple of weekends, and we're just taking some time in July to plow forward for some upcoming things with Thrive, and so just really excited about all the the new things coming along and seasonal, you know, et cetera, but our worship team was in a, a worship school, and so I was able to be there with them to pastor them through some of the things that they were seeing and experiencing and to help cultivate culture and, and help them to find a, you know, a deeper relationship with the Lord, and we are learning about that even right now in our series, but I want to stay, just pause for a second and say thank you to all who have contributed thus far into helping the students go to Motion Conference this week. So that's, that's a, you guys really came through on a couple of fundraisers, so thank you guys. Definitely honor you guys. Definitely honor you guys for that. Uh, also, a first Wednesday, you know, usually we have that. We, we said we we're going to do it in August, but we have so many exciting things coming up in August. To prepare for the fall, we're going to have our first return first Wednesday on, in September. And if you're part of the GO team, this is especially, uh, especially for you. But if you've been kind of in that space of, I'm ready for a next step, and I just kind of want to know more about what we're doing as a church. This is a good place. First Wednesday is going to be a good place. The way we're formatting it for you to find out more communications of the inner workings of Thrive and, and seasonal and what, what changes and adjustments and all the stuff that you're probably curious about that you don't know what to ask. So we're going to start explaining that and giving that information out uh, on these first Wednesdays that we will have each and every month starting in September. So I just wanted you to mark your calendar there. It'll be right after Labor Day. So you'll be rested. You'll be rested and you can come in. And then also, registration is open for our Thrive Leadership School. I am personally excited about that. I love teaching. It's kind of a, a gifting and, a, and a, something I drift towards. I love learning. And so to be able to impart some things back, we're partnering with, as you can see, Highlands College in Birmingham, Alabama. The same church has started that college that is having hosting the conference that we're going to this week. We're sending some other leaders to another conference that they're having. We're trained. We're all about training and equipping around here. And so that's another reason I love this school that we're about to start. It's going to be August 16th through December 9th, missing Thanksgiving week. Each, each Tuesday, there's about four to five hours worth of commitment each week. But we're going to be, our learning is going to be in group form. And then you have some uh, outside of class learning. It is going to be next level. I'm telling you, if you've been in a tribe, you'll, you'll get a lot in tribe. It's highly relational, a little bit of discipleship, but it's going to that next level of not quite, I'm in seminary Bible college and it's exhausting me, but it's, it's getting there to where you're learning more about God's word, how to study God's word, how to approach God's word, the authority of God's word, uh, how personal leadership, biblical principles and practices from, from a personal level to help grow you. It is a four-semester school. Uh, each semester, 16 weeks, it'll last two years. And so from there is where our, our, our growth is really going to begin to expand. And we'll be pulling leaders out for the church as well. But some of you just want some business practices that are biblical that you can put into place and help, find and help yourself find in Scripture. And that's where you'll do it. But it starts August 16th. I encourage you to get signed up before August 13th. Uh, it, it, it is 4.50, all-inclusive. That means meals when you come in at 6. To, we'll be here from 6 to 8, 8.15 on Tuesdays. And so the meals are included, the books are included, the content's included, uh, and ev everything else that it, it, it's going to require is included. So check it out. Look online. There's a QR code back there. You can see it on the screen up here. And so there's that. You'll hear more about it. But I'm going to move into our, our series part and I just want to say, when, when, whenever Joey was speaking up here, 
I felt, and so it's funny, uh, he, he prayed in his prayer language, but I felt like the Lord was saying, and it may have been personal, it may have been corporate, so I'm just going to give it because it would coincided. But I, I felt like the Lord was showing me Nicodemus, and he said, in the same way I told Nicodemus that you can only enter into the kingdom of God through childlike faith is the same way that you receive my spirit, through childlike faith. And somewhere we become so intellectual as Americans that we have to know it all before we can even pursue or receive it, but God is backwards to that. So I just wanna, if that's for you, I just wanna give you that word right there. So thank you for being, being brave and being open. And I, I feel like that is a word from the Lord for some. And I think you'll start to experience more of that as we proceed throughout this, this, con, this uh, series, rather. And so I, I mentioned conference, Freedom Conference. They mentioned it. Get signed up for that. That's gonna be at the end of the month. So that's all I got, plugs. And so we've been, in, we've been answering questions to kind of clarify who's this this spooky guy, the Holy Ghost, <laughs> who's the Holy Spirit? Who, who is he really? Because I've, I've heard these things, and I've heard these things, and I've seen some of this stuff, and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that, or I've never heard about him. I've been in church all my life, and we just skip over those parts. I've been warned. I've been, I've been, I've been hey, I don't know about that. So who is he? Who is this guy that we're so concerned about being in our lives? Who, what is it all about? Well, we, the reason we brought this up is because of that, but we also wanted to set aside any kind of inhibitions that you might have so that you can approach, you can approach God on a personal level and truly experience him on a personal level. And so we talked about the first week, who is he? That's Joey, and it talked about the Trinity. And he has, he has uh, three personnel attributes, functions is the word I'm looking for. God is the father. He's got a very fatherly nature, and we see a lot of that uh, through the Old Testament especially, but then we see God the Son in the New Testament become revealed. He was always there from the beginning. He was, he's there when, if there ever was a beginning, it was, it was God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son shows us attributes of, of what it's like to be a son or a daughter to a loving heavenly father, a very warm and, and protective and, and guiding yet authoritative, authoritative, authoritative and, and a lording uh, father healthy lordship. And then the function of the Holy Spirit is, is kind of taking the blend of both the, the God the Father, God the Son, and communicating with us. The Holy Spirit communes with our spirit. His purpose is to cleanse and, and, and help shape and form and disciple and teach and to assist, to counsel our spirit to conform to the image of Christ God the Son in relationship with God the Father. And so they're, they're always pointing to each other. They're very selfless. Because they're, all, they're one, but they have three functions in which we experience. And, and we'll never get to experience and un, or fully understand the fullness on this side of heaven. But I'm telling you, to the best of our abilities, we can, only, we can only learn through experience. And that comes through that childlike faith we were talking about in the beginning. And so these are the functions. And then uh, Pastor Cass mentioned last week, it was, is he a person? It's not a, it's, he's not an it. I was like, it, the Holy Spirit. I mean, times if you, and I, I'm sorry on a personal level, it just cringes in my heart. It, it, like, it would be like me calling you an it. Now, how disrespectful would that be? Chris, you're good, it. What? How, how dishonoring? Like, Chris is not gonna wanna come around me if I call him an it, right? It might be what we, some of us have yet to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because when he's honored, things just start to shift around. And so 
Pastor Cass was communicating with us on how we can, how we can have a, a real relationship, an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God. His name is God, by the way. It's not, it's not Wild Billy. It's not Bill. It's not William. It's just, it's just God, God the Holy Spirit. And so today we get to get in the fun part, and I really love it, and I'm going to try to breeze through it because, man, those announcements were long-winded. <laughs> so I'm going to take, I'm going to take as much as I uh, get to knock out, knock this out as best I can. So is he Pentecostal? Oh, is he Pentecostal? Here's the question. The question is he Pentecostal? Because I've heard some things. <laughs> I got some concerns. I got questions. As the, as the as the comment is, and I've heard about these Pentecostals. Now he goes, but we but, but we need to know. I mean, or we already know. I knew John was the ba- John was the Baptist, right? He would be water baptized. So, but what, but what about the Holy Spirit? What about Jesus? How did that all work out? But we get, to, we get asked often, is he, are we Pentecostal? Are we, are we spirit-led? Are we spirit-filled? And I'm gonna give you some cultural definitions of what people think they're asking or they are actually asking, but they don't understand what they're asking. This is kind of like the Urban Dictionary version. But the difference would be spirit-led, say, this, is, this group, focuses on allowing the Spirit of God, they're gonna be more explicit about saying the Spirit of God, to lead or guide us, guide our lives and the church's decisions, Spirit-led. Spirit-filled is, oh no, we, we believe in the, the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the necessary, uh, and the necessary uh, use of gifts to be a witness to Christ. Very good. And the Pentecostals have, have a very, more of an emphasis, emphasis on you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some are take it as far to be to be saved. Some, the other, most all agree on with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. You've heard that, and that probably has there's probably some heart issues around that. If you, if I even me mentioning that, but then their emphasis is typically on that gift and gifts alone. And sometimes some sects, groups, denominations of the Pentecostals. Quote Pentecostals, again, Urban Dictionary, because that's all we know it as because of, of what's been defined for us. They're, they're focused on extreme holiness. And oftentimes it starts to look like religion. Some people have been hurt by this. And so what is it really? So we believe in water baptism, but we're not part of the Baptist denomination. We believe in spirit baptism, but we're not a part of the Pentecostal uh, denomination. Now, but if we mean by Pentecostal, we believe in the biblical definition of the word that celebrates the feast of Pentecost, then yes. And that we believe fully in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, then yes. And we believe Pentecost is the fulfillment of Pentecost, yes. And we believe that every believer needs a vital relationship with the Holy Spirit to live an empowered life on earth so that we can be Christ's witnesses on earth, yes. And then, the question would be, is that the Holy Spirit then? Is he Pentecostal? Under that definition, biblical definition, then yes. So, but we, in order to really give you some more clear understandings, we're gonna have to ask a few questions about that. So for this leg of the conversation, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start with questions. That's the point, is all questions, but I'm gonna drive it home with a response so that you can have a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit being Pentecostal, all right? So let's shake off your presuppositions, surrender all your hurts and your thoughts and your, you know, the things you've been taught by granddaddy and everything else around that I've heard before. And so 
What is Pentecost? That's what we need to know. This is actually my favorite part of the series. What is Pentecost? Is it just something that happened that day when 120 were getting together in an upper room after Jesus, uh, after Jesus went to the cross and he came back for 40 days? Is, is that what Pentecost is? Because that's what I hear about it. But let's go to Acts 2 so we can understand what took place that particular day that is so, so famous. And Acts 2, 1 and 2 says, Then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all together in one place. The Pentecost had fully come. You need to, I want to put an emphasis on fully come. And verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Just came on in like this air conditioner, right? Just, just came on in. But let me explain something very important about Pentecost. There's three major feasts, they're festivals, and they're in Israel. Uh, there was a, on, on the first month of the Jewish calendar, on the third month, third month of the Jewish calendar, and then on the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. And all of Israel would gather together in Jerusalem. Some would gather in, in outer cities, probably couldn't make it to Jerusalem, but they were to gather in Jerusalem. Now follow me on this part. This is very important right here. It's going to make a whole lot of sense towards the end of the message. But each feast represented something major to God's children, Okay. The Passover was the first, and it was, it was a celebration from when God saved the Hebrew children. He delivered the Hebrew children, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He delivered them from bondage, and they, he delivered them out and into the wilderness, okay? Uh, then there was Pentecost right after that, and then tabernacles. Pen- Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles. Within those three, there are seven feasts, all right? In Passover, there's Passover, of course. That was what we know was happened to be on a Friday for Jesus. Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the Feast of First Fruits. All three of those are wrapped into Passover. Now, in Tabernacles is another three feasts. So you have the Feast of Trumpets. You have you have the feast the, the day of Aton- the Feast of Atonements, the Atonement, and then you have Tabernacles, also known as booths. You have three, and you have three, and in the middle of that is another feast that's Pentecost. Within, uh, so within Passover, you have the, those, the three feasts. You have three feasts on tabernacles, and then 50 days after Passover was Pentecost. And so uh, the uh, next year, actually, I'm going to teach further on those seven feasts to give you an understanding of how important the, the, the reality of how those are were so important to God's children back then, which made this such a value on a personal level for us in the New Testament as they transitioned as well when the Holy Spirit came. But, so it's 50 days after Passover, and what's cool is God knew his son would be resurrected for 40 days, the, fri- the, 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 the day after the Sabbath, two days after Passover. He knew this. He foresaw it. He had planned it out. And so he set out, when Pente just means this, it means five. Pente means five and cost to the tenth power. So it means times ten. So it, it it's literally means 50. So Pentecost means 50. And that's only scary if, you're, if it's a birthday that you have coming up. Some of you have a long past, and so you're like, I would love to go back to that. That's kind of a celebration now. But it's only, a, it's only scary in that content. So if you think about it, let me take what, what, what I was af- a word that I was afraid of, Pentecost, and let me just bring that down to it just means 50. And then let me take it further. Oh, oh God already set this up because it means 50 days after 
Passover. Okay, so now that makes even more sense because we're oftentimes afraid of things that we don't understand. But now that we can understand it, I no longer have to be afraid of this word, Pentecost, and so it doesn't have to do such a work in my heart to keep me from hearing anything that comes after Pentecost. So it's 50 days after Passover. Now, God knew his son would resurrect them. Jesus was here 40 days, and, and then he sent the disciples to pray for 10 days. That's 50. Uh, interestingly, though, you may have already thought this. The Holy Spirit didn't come 50 days, though, after Passover. God already orchestrated that. He had an answer for that. He, they, he technically, uh, it, Passover, uh, Pentecost technically came 52 days after, but, Jesus, but God had already set an assignment on how that should look, how that should lay out, and he says it, he gives the order in Leviticus. And so let me read it to you in 23, 15, and 16. It says, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. Okay, so Passover was on a Friday night. It just happened to be on a Friday. That's when Jesus went to the cross. That was Passover. The next day would have been a Sabbath day for the Jewish people. The next day is when the feast that... W- which was the feast of the, when Jesus was resurrected was the feast of first fruits, okay? So he resurrected the day after the Sabbath. I just want to make sure you're clear on that. So it says, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from, that, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, first fruits offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. So seven times seven is 49. The day after the wave offering, out offering then will be Pentecost says count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. So once the seventh Sabbath have happened, it's 50 days following. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. This is the day of the first fruits. This was the day that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, So he was resurrected on the feast of first fruits and then 50 days. It was seven weeks, seven times seven, 49. And that would be the day that Pentecost would come that next count starting on the day following the Sabbath of Passover. I know it's a lot, but just trust, just, just wait for, the, wait for the, the reasoning behind that. So God already had already preset hundreds of years before the day that they should start, and yet he knew the day that he would bring the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit on earth. He said it in Leviticus. This is, this is a thousand, literally thousands of years before the Pentecost that we understand when the Holy Spirit fell. Okay, so it was always already orchestrated. God was already setting these things out so that the people can't miss it. Notice he was doing the same thing with Passover as well. Passover was when the blood of the lamb was wiped over the door, the top of the door of the, the children of Israel, the Israelites, so that the, the angel of death, the spirit of death would pass over the Israelites' homes in Egypt, okay? That's where the Passover celebration began. So it meant something very emotional and passionate and very real inside of the culture of the people's hearts. Pentecost has its own meaning as well. So number two is this, what happened at Pentecost? And I know we haven't read verses three and four of Acts two. I'm gonna get to that later, but then let's just skip to five and six. Acts, five, Acts 2, 5 and 6 says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation and heaven, under heaven, rather. Verse 6, And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
Now, verses 7 through 11 begins to name 15 different nations that were represented. I'm not going to read all those for the sake of time. That were represented in that space in that time. So, okay, think about this. Back in Genesis 11, there was a place called Babel. And the people began to unite for one cause. And they began to build a tower trying to make it their own way to God. They were building a tower to heaven so that they could get to God their own way. All right? Uh, So they were gathered there in rebellion. This was in Genesis 11. In the New Testament, on this day, the people on Pentecost were gathered there in humility, in submission, rather. At the tower, they were gathered in pride. At Pentecost, they were gathered in humility. At at Babel, they they were trying to get to God. At Pentecost, God came to them. That's really good. At the Tower of Babel, they all had one language, and God came down and confused them. At Pentecost, they all had various languages, and God made clarity by bringing a pure language. Oh, man. I'm, I'm just waking you up inside. I'm starting to demystify this Pentecost thing. On the day of Pentecost, they were from every nation. Every nation. From Babel, they were from one nation. He scattered And then over here in Pentecost, he brought together. He united. Pentecost is the grace-filled, blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. You did it on your own out of rebellion and pride, trying to get to me your own way. I'm going to show you how to really get to me. Actually, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bring clarity. You're going to be confused because you actually understand one another. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, this is what heaven will look like. I'm telling you. Ethnos it means, is nation. The word for ethnos, or for nation in the Greek, is ethnos. It just means nation. Every nation will come together, will be in heaven, worshiping God as one, united. This is a picture on earth as it will be in heaven. And this is the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost was a celebration of the day that the law was given. Okay, I'm going back to the Old Testament now. So they were, they were delivered, the Passover took place. God delivered his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. They're all acting in rebellion. They're they're, they're living in sin. They have no moral value about themselves. Moses goes up up the mountain, and he meets with God. A cloud descends. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. God shows up, and God begins to write his precepts, his laws, on the tablets of stone. Literally, the people are sinning down, down at the bottom, of the bottom of the mountain. And when the law was given, there was a loud noise. The cloud descended. There was fire. God wrote his law on the tablets of stone. And during that time, there, there, during the time of Pentecost, they were led, I'm sorry, during that time, they were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Again, that's the Spirit of God leading them. That day, the, law, the day the law was given, 3,000 people died. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, there was a loud noise. There was fire. We'll discuss that in a minute. The Spirit descended. God wrote his law on, on men's hearts, and what happened? 3,000 people were saved. God has been setting up this picture for 
thousands of years hoping that his people would see it. And it's all through, written through the Old Testament into the New Testament. Jesus came to put his put us in the right standing with God, Jesus sent us towards to find the Holy Spirit, to wait for the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could help us to live righteously before God. And we can't live in right standing without God. And we can't live righteously in this demonic world trying to live good enough or just be good without the power and the presence of the Holy God being the Holy Spirit. He guides us. Here's the question though. Can I experience Pentecost? Can you? Can I? Can, can we experience Pentecost? Because so many think that you can't because we weren't alive in that day. Well, let's talk about that because we wanna bring it down to biblical understanding. We live today and the Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago. Acts 2, 3, and 4 says this. Then there appeared to them divided look at tongues. Look at this word divided. It comes from divide. Look at divid. I want you to see it as divid. A lot of times we think it's negative when it's divided. But if you think about like individual, divid, individual. If we had a 1,000 hot wings from, from the wings shop over here, you would be a little bit concerned, if, am I going to get enough? But if we gave you individual portions, you're like, I got my part. It's going to be good. So it's divided. It, there's, that's a good divide. That way I know I'm going to get some, plenty. You're, you're pleased with that. So, so, think, so, so it doesn't mean that they had snake tongues either, like divided tongues, little split for it. Like, doesn't mean that. They didn't have that kind of divided tongue. So don't, we're not getting the snake handling. That's a whole other sect of people that... Whatever, it gets weird. That's not it. Verse four, and they were all, if you came from a snake handling church and you're kind of recovering from that, we love you. I mean, this is a great safe place for, you won't get bitten. <laughs> You'll find healing. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I may have lost some of you again because here's another hang-up when I say the word tongues. But let me tell you what that word is in the Hebrew, I mean, in, in the Greek, it's glossa. Has anybody ever been, this may bring up other, I'm just bringing all kind of wounds for you guys. I'm so sorry. We have a freedom conference that's coming up at the end of August. Glossa, have you ever read a textbook? I know this probably brings some pains, like in school, and you had to flip back to the glossary, and your teacher made you write out the definition five times, whatever it was, that's what the word, we get glossary from glossa, it just means language. And some of you are like, that's why I don't like tongues, I didn't like English. <laughs> and my East Texas dialect shows it. But <laughs> y'all didn't like that one. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid when someone says tongues because it just means language. And finally, everyone uh, understood one another and they saw the works of God, it says. And some of you are like, man, it'd be nice for my spouse to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, she might understand me or he might understand me. That's called a working of miracles and that's a whole nother part. So just, just uh, if, <laughs> if you had a religious upbringing though, that made you afraid to read the Bible, there's a problem there. If you had a religious upbringing that said, no, you just need to skip over that part of the Bible, there's an issue with that because 
God's whole word is relevant today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is there, if there's any teaching that you sat under that caused you to be afraid to approach God through his word, there's an issue. And before we can truly receive the fullness of everything God has for us, because he's an amazing father, he teaches us how to be amazing children, and his spirit is continually wanting to do an inner working inside of us to conform us to his image for the blessedness of, of not only our lives, but the good of man, and for the glory of God, then we might need to spend a little time even repenting before God for allowing ourselves to be under that. Just preparing your heart to receive him fully. So each individual had a tongue over their heads, but they couldn't see their own, but they could see others. And I really believe that. I'm gonna give you an example, a little illustration that I believe was being, being shown, made manifest, made known by God in that time. And I think it's even real for us today. So if you were to look at it like this, there was, there was a fire that had come upon each and every person's head. It said on, on all of their heads. And so like I could see yours, Deb, and you could see mine, but every time I looked at mine, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see my own. Do you know why? I believe that's the case because you had to believe that you had it by faith. And it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How do you, how do you, how do you receive salvation? By faith. How do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? By faith. And it's all a faith step. It's all a faith walk. It's all a willingness to be vulnerable. You got really vulnerable whenever you asked Jesus Christ to give you salvation. You got really vulnerable. And it's the same as Jesus is saying, now I'm sending you, but go wait. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is for you. But it's by faith. Did you know, uh, sorry, the baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the 12 disciples, it was for everyone. And it's not just for a few people that serve on the platform, it's for everyone. It's for everyone who is in Christ. It's a next step for everyone who is in Christ. And you might be thinking, well, I know Pastor Nathan, I know you've got, uh, got, the, got it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know Pastor Cass does, well, I could see it all over. I know Joey does, I could just, I, I could just, I could just see that, but I'm not sure about me, everyone. It's for everyone, he says. And I can back that up in scripture. Acts one through uh, four and five says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now let's see what the promise is because we let the Bible describe the Bible and define the Bible and we let Jesus decide what is true and what is not. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus says, go wait for the promise from the Father. And then he says, it's gonna be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is after salvation, Jesus is resurrected. The disciples had already believed, they're saved. Then there's a separate experience. Go wait for it. The promise God has for you, the Father has for you. And then here's what it is, it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can't make that to be anything else than what the scriptures say. So what's the promise? Let's talk about it a little bit deeper. 
Acts 2, 3, 38 and 30, 39. Let's see what else we say about this. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. The promise is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and once you receive the problem, you get the gift. I love receiving gifts. <laughs> especially when it's from God the Father. For the promise is to you, who's it for? It's to you, who else? Oh, to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Do you know that you are called? Who's it for? It's for me, it's for you, and all who are afar off. So holy, the Holy Spirit is the gift, and the gift is the promise. Who is the gift for? All of us. Now when it says afar, it's not talking about a campfire. <laughs> You're like, hey, it's afar over. It's not afar, <laughs> like away. Like I was afar off from Christ before Christ. I was afar, you were afar off from Christ pre-Christ. Some of us were afar off from Christ even in the church we grew up in. Because we had met the church, we just hadn't met Christ. There's a difference, by the way. So let's bring this back. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The fulfillment of Passover was on the day Jesus died. Jesus went to the cross, he died. His body, his, his body was bleeding everywhere. They took him off the cross. That was Passover. That's the day the, the spotless lamb was sacrificed, okay? Passover lamb was sacrificed, as Scripture says, at 9 a.m. The Passover lamb, on, whenever the celebration, they would cut the throat of the Passover lamb, of the spotless lamb, for the, for the sins of the people at 9 a.m. Jesus was on the cross, died at 9 a.m. Oh, man, oh, the lamb was put into the oven in the Old Testament at 3 p.m. Jesus was taken off the cross and put in the tomb at 3 p.m. The sacrifice covered their sins. His sacrifice removed ours. Jesus completely fulfilled the Passover. Then remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the day of Passover, a father, in the Old Testament, the father would take a, a, a loaf of bread and he would take and he would hide it for the, the Sabbath day. This is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Remember, there's three celebrations in the Passover. We just talked about the Passover. And then the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there would be a, a, a loaf of bread. The father of the house would take it and hide it somewhere in the house. They would celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened represents sinless. But it's also a time of rest. It's the Sabbath. Jesus was sinless. So there on the, day, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he would bring it out on the morning of the, the Feast of First Fruits. That would be the next day. And this is a symbol of the harvest to come. The Feast of First Fruits is saying, it's a, it's a symbol saying, I'm trusting you, Lord, but that there's a harvest, a greater harvest yet to come. So when the Father was pulling the loaf out from being hidden, some, hidden somewhere, Jesus was coming out of the tomb. This is on the Sabbath rest. This is taking place, same time. And the next day, he was raised again as a symbol of the harvest to come. These were natural things that were happening throughout the Old Testament and celebrations and feasts that God was highlighting and shining in people's faces so they couldn't miss it so that the day that it would be a reality, a spiritual awakening for his people, they wouldn't miss it, but they did. But there were some in that space 
120 that were fervently pursuing God, devout, going after whatever this promise was, this gift that Jesus had promised, and they received it. They received the fullness and 3,000 people got saved. Tabernacles includes three feasts, trumpets, atonement, tabernacle. This has, been, this has not been fulfilled yet. One day the trumpet will blow, but because of the day of atonement for you and I and those who are in Christ, we will get to tabernacle with Christ for eternity. That's the Feast of Tabernacles, the three in one. More questions. Can you receive the fulfillment of Passover? You better know the answer to this. Because if you don't, you don't know that you're saved yet. Because the Passover, because of the feast of Passover and the fulfillment that Jesus did, partook, we can experience Passover. The answer is yes. Will one day we experience the Feast of Tabernacles? The trumpet is gonna sound according to scripture and the dead, even if we are dead, the dead in Christ will rise. This is scripture. So we can experience the Passover, even though we weren't alive whenever the Passover was fulfilled. Y'all with me? We can experience the tabernacle even if we're dead before the, the trumpet sounds. Y'all with me? So why can't, we, why can't we experience Pentecost even though we weren't alive? Let me ask it this way because y'all aren't excited as I am. Why, if we want, do we want to experience Passover in our lives right now? And I hope you do. Do you want to experience tabernacles that day when the trumpet sounds and, and you know because you experienced Passover that you lived Passover because you wanted this life with Christ because the atonement, which is the blood that was on the cross that was shed for your and my sins, the atonement which leads to the tabernacle, do you want to experience it? Do you think we can actually experience that even if we die too early? Why wouldn't you want to experience the fulfillment of Pentecost so that you can live a spirit-empowered life guided by the Holy Spirit who allows us to live in communion with Jesus Christ here on earth and conforms us to his image? Pentecost. Can I pray for you? Because it's not scary anymore, is it? It's not. And it's nothing that you've seen or heard about, the rumors and the thoughts and all the stuff that, pe those people are weird anyway. They'd be weird even if they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So why would I let somebody else's flesh acts and, and moments and doings hinder me from fully experiencing everything, the promise and the gift from God. Let's just pray, because my biggest question right now is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Because he's in the room. He's speaking. And I, and I just know right now there's people that are struggling with the fact, are they or are they not? Are you or are you not hearing from the Lord? Is that my thoughts or is that his thoughts? I'm telling you right now, you're, 
I know you're in a receiving mode and when you're in that receiving mode, all of a sudden you start to get thoughts that you weren't thinking. Can I just help you identify that that's the Holy Spirit? And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he comes with invitation. I'll say it further, we can't hear from God unless it is the Holy Spirit. He may let us know what the Son wants to say. He may let us know what the Father wants to say. But He's the one that we're communing with. The Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask you to speak to all of our hearts. I thank you, Jesus, that you have promised and gifted. We thank you, God the Father. Thank you, Father for sending us this gift, this promise. You may here be here today and you're like, I, I first need to experience Passover. I wanna encourage you, just take the moment, say, Jesus Christ, I, I make you Lord and Savior over my life. I confess that you are Lord, you are my Christ. Some may be here and it's like, Holy Spirit, I wanna ask your forgiveness. I've actually thought wrongly of you in the past. Do you know he just moves in? He just moves in, he just moves in. You know, today's the day you wanna experience the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. Just say, Holy Spirit. Would you fill me up and baptize me? Say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We receive Christ by faith. We receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit by faith. And he's doing a work. There's a co-laboring of letting go and surrendering and yielding that human nature struggles with but there's a huge benefit as the Holy Spirit just begins to move in and change the, log the logic of your thinking. The Holy Spirit right now, I also pray for those who are hurting. Pray for emotional healing in this room right now as they're experiencing you on a very personal level. I pray that you move in and you, you show them on a relational level how loving, how kind, how gentle, how comforting, how helpful you are and wanna be in their lives in all of our lives, if we'll so willingly trust you and allow. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to just help us to live this empowered life for Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen?